Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Padolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello and welcome back to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan for episode 21. I cannot believe we're at episode 21 already. All of these great guests uh, in the Rolodex already and today's episode is no exception. We are going to be speaking with Stacy Roost. Now Stacy might not be a name that you instantly recognize from the NHL. He did play four seasons in the NHL with Detroit, two with Detroit and two with Minnesota, but he, you know, he wasn't a big star. He wasn't a power play guy. He was a guy that kicked some butt in junior hockey. He had three consecutive hundred point seasons as a, as a WHL player, and he played in in the '90s, which was a big man era. And Stacy was a guy who was five foot nine, 170 pounds in junior, putting up big numbers, and the hundred point season wasn't enough to get him drafted. So that tells you about the impact that the size had back in that era. So Stacy had to overcome that adversity, that you know, that uh, that black mark on the back of his hockey card, and and he did. Uh, Detroit saw something in him and signed him as a free agent, brought him to Adirondack, where he played three seasons. He grew as a player, learned what his deficiencies were on the ice, grew his two hundred foot game, and was able to make the Detroit Red Wings and play four solid years in the NHL. Uh, his story about doing that, how to make that happen, some of his decisions that he made uh, as a junior to go back and play midget uh, are amazing to, uh, to, to listen to and to hear what uh, some of the decisions his father made and how that worked out for him. And then we also talk about what he's doing now, which is being in a very influential position for the Tampa Bay Lightning as the assistant general manager for that organization and also the GM of the Syracuse Crunch and also the director of player uh, player development for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So Stacy has been involved in getting prospects from junior to pro and on into the Lightning organization and help being positive contributors for that team. Uh, the Tampa Bay has actually had a really great track record of doing that. And Stacy is one of the big reasons why they're so successful in turning their, their draft picks into NHL players. So we have an amazing guest that is covering hockey from a lot of angles. One as a player, two as a director of player development, three from the other side, from the, from the GM side. And, and Stacy also has a son named Austin, who is an amazing hockey player in his own right, who is trying to follow in his dad's footsteps. So now Stacy is navigating that journey uh, on a second generational aspect and, and helping support his son uh, do the things that he wants to do. So we have a lot of different angles here, a lot of layers to this onion. Stacy is an amazing guest. I'm really thankful that he gave us time to us today. And without further ado, we'll bring you the man who speaks about growth mindset as much, if not more than I do, Mr. Stacy Roost. All right, we are live uh, with Up My Hockey here with Mr. Stacy Roos. Thanks so much for being here today with us, Stacy. Thanks for having me, Pods. Awesome, man. Um, 
been trying to set this up for a while and it just sort of works out sometimes, right? Where you're not doing what you're normally doing and uh, time, time frees itself. So, so thanks for doing it. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. A little bit of different circumstances and I've uh, been home for a while. So right. nice, to, nice to get together for sure. Cool. Yeah, I want to get into um, you as, as a player because I, I think your, your story is, is, is a cool one. You know, an, an undersized guy, prolific scorer in junior, um, getting passed over in the draft and then ended up, you know, ended up in the NHL at the greatest level and, and your experience with the minors. And I, I just would like to get it through your eyes, kind of at what, walk us through that, what that was like, because, you know, when I bring up your, your stats and I love, I love doing the, the digging on this stuff. This is some of the best stuff and who you played with and where you played and all that kind of stuff. But you, you played as a 15 or as a 16 year old in, in medicine hat. So you're obviously a guy that was a good player, correct? Like growing up through minor hockey. You know what? I, I played uh, I played what ten playoff games my sixteen year old year. I think I always tell people this story. My sixteen year old year, I I'd moved up uh, as a fifteen year old to play underage midget. My sixteen year old year, I went to to uh, Massanet training camp. Had a good camp. My dad was there with me. Um, made the team out, you know out of camp. We went into the into the office and and he uh, basically told you know the GM of the Massanet Tigers, no, he's coming back with me. So we went back. I played as a sixteen year old in major midget in the triple A Alberta league. So, and I tell people, I never, I remember, you know, driving home with my dad and I was so mad at him the whole way. We just, you know, we didn't even talk. And, and it was, uh, it was tough for me to, to get over that. You know, I wanted to play in the, in the, in the Western league, but he said, no, they kept two other 16 year olds. He says, trust me, this is the best thing for you. You're going to go back. So I went back there, had a good, good triple A uh, midget season. And, and after the season was over, they called me up for, I think I played five regular season games. And then actually the day before the playoffs, um, and now I'm 16, I'm in, the, I'm in the lineup. I made the lineup the day before the playoffs. Kevin Real, our leading scorer, I think he had 72 goals that year, broke his leg. And it was, it was so we're one of the top ranked teams and we're like, oh no, what's going to happen? So I stepped in, you know, stepped into the lineup and I got, got to play some power play time, ended up playing with Jason Prasovsky, who's a 20-year-old, and Calvin Nibbs, who's also a 20-year-old, stepped right in and, and, and played quite a few minutes and, I think I ended up getting five, maybe 12 games, five goals, five assists. So had a good, had a good playoffs. And I think I, I you know, everybody credit, you know, develops at different, different uh, levels and, and, and stages and stuff. And I think that, that literally gave me the chance, you know, you know, the other guys, the other two 16 year olds that played weren't, weren't in the lineup. So it was, it was, it was a good lesson for me to, you know, slow down the development you know, it's not a race. It's not a, you know, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. My dad was smart that he said, you know, basically said, son, you're going to, you're not going to play as much as I want you to. You're going to play power play, penalty kill, you know, first minute of the game, last minute of the game in, in midget. So it was, it was nice to, to, you know, that it worked out that way. Cause then I stepped in the next year as a rookie in the league at 17, you know, I, I, I played maybe second, third line and, and had some numbers, but that was uh, that was Cree. You know, it's not for everybody. Like, you know, a 16 year old, if you can impact and play, it works for you, but you know, that was key for me for sure. Wow, that's insane. So you went to that camp, it sounds like under the impression that I want to make this team. And if you made the team, you had full expectations that you were going to be on the team. So, I mean, you had to be, overcome that hurdle of making the team. Yeah. And then you're going in the office and your dad says, Nope, not today. Let's turn around and go home. Like that's I think, crazy. I, I think in exhibition, I had six or seven goals too. I had a good, had a good camp. It was good. And obviously he wasn't going to tell me that before he wanted me to go there and and uh, you know, make the team. And I, I, I played well, played, but he, you know, it was a different, different back then. It was, it was tough to communicate. 
Um, you know, you, you know, it's like there's no internet, you're, you're, you're phoning. You know, I was in Medicine Hat, we grew up in Lethbridge, so you're only an hour and a half away, so it wasn't that, that big a deal, but he just felt that, you know, I need to be around my family one more year. And it, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, it would have been interesting to see what, you know, if I would have went at 16, but I'm, I'm happy I didn't go. I, I, looking back, everything worked out, played and, you know, played, got to play at the highest level, so. Right, no, good for you. Plan. That, that whole thing is interesting though, too. Like was, was Medicine Hat not, I mean, it was a little bit risky what your dad did there. That could have made some people mad you know, letting it go that far and them assuming that you were on the team and now they have to fill that spot with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, it, it back, they were stacked. Like they had a, you know, we knew that, that was his biggest thing is oh. we, we, we had a strong, strong team. He, he's looking at the team. You know, you know what it's like when you go to, when you're playing at camp, a lot of those guys, the, 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 the big players are in NHL camp. So you kind of get a false sense of where you fit in on that team until everybody comes back from NHL camp. And now you're, you know, I was playing power play in, in preseason and now you're sitting on the fourth line season starts maybe you're not in the lineup so i think he had had that uh he was pretty old school he liked the the family to stay together so it uh it was it worked out no that's amazing and like i, I mean you talked about it already but that 10 points in 12 games coming in um is a really nice welcome to the whl as a 16 year old i mean at the playoffs when when it really gets going and then stepped right in and had a really great uh rookie season and what um what was that like, like as far as – that was your draft year then, too, 92, correct? Yeah, that was my yeah, first draft year. Yeah. So you walk into your, your – you're playing your draft year now in the WHL. You're almost a point a game, um, 20 goals. Were you – I mean, I guess hoping would be the wrong word. Of course, you were hoping. Were you expecting to get drafted? Do you think that was good enough, or, or, or how, were, how was things looking then? Well, I, I knew that there was uh, – because of the 10 points, you know, the year before the playoffs, I had a strong playoffs. We went – we lost to uh, – to Lethbridge Hurricanes actually went to, I believe they lost to Spokane in the final. So we had a strong team, had a good playoff run with the year before as a 16 year old. So I think people kind of started looking and, 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 you know, same thing. It's tough to tough, to, unless you're at that game back then, you weren't, you weren't seeing, seeing any of the players. It's not like you, you're, you know, WHL TV or, or on the internet and you can surf and see what, you know, it was word of mouth and you had to watch it yourself. So yeah. I think I, there was some interest there. I had a decent year. Um, you know, obviously you want to get drafted. You think, you think, okay, you know, as a 17-year-old, it's pretty rookie season, pretty good, pretty good stats. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, my name didn't get called on draft day. Right. And how was that from a mental side? Like, was it, did it do anything for you? Did it get a chip in your shoulder? Was it motivation? Did it really not matter? Or like, how, how did that work for you? That, that first year wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't uh, that bad, I think, because, you know, you're, you're upset and you see your buddies get drafted, you're happy for them. But you know they're good players, and, you know, obviously – that was back then when the, the league was big, the NHL was big. And I was, you know, I was five, I've been five, nine since I've been 15 years old. So that hasn't changed. So I think that was, be understand here. Yeah. I had an advisor that kind of ran me through things and told me, you know, chances are the next year was probably, you know, probably a lot harder when you, now you put up a hundred points and now you're, you're looking saying, you know, gotta be some interest. You're looking at other guys that got drafted the year before didn't have as good years as you. So then, uh, so now you start getting a little bit, uh, a little bit upset. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. So you were eligible again, and then you essentially become a free agent, right? So, I mean, you're eligible for the draft two years in a row. I think that's how it works, right? And so if you got passed over that second year, again, you, you mentioned it, 106 points uh, and another good playoff series. So, I mean, you, you perform well in the playoffs. You, you, you think you do what – I'm sure you felt like you did what you could do there. And, and then you get passed over in the draft again. What – what, what was the message then? Like, what was the knock? Did you hear anything? Like, was it just your size? Was that what it was that, that no one wanted to touch it? <laughs> size. And I wasn't the best, uh, 
player in my own end pods. That was probably one of the one of the big things defensively. You know, it was it was tough to it was tough to defend as a young or, or smaller. You know, I was a stronger, thicker, thicker kid. You know, 180, 185 pounds back then, so I was strong enough. But just the uh, you know defending and, and and you know the scouts. I'm sure they're watching you, and you can't defend 19, 20 year olds and junior. It's going to be tough to project that guy. You know, my 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 parents were. My dad was six. You know, around six feet. My mom wasn't the tallest. They're looking at how much is he going to grow. You know, so that was that was a big concern. And then maybe my, you know, I'm not I'm not going to lie. That you know, the work ethic too. You know, I, I I relied a lot on my talent and my skill. And then later on in my career, I, I learned that uh, you know it starts with the work, and you got to. That's where when people come to watch you play, that's what they 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 look for first and foremost is how much effort is the guy giving, and 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 what's he you know what's he doing to to help the team win. Right. Interesting. I'm glad you're so candid with that because I mean it is. It's definitely easier looking back, right, on what we could or couldn't have done. Um, I'm sure in the moment you felt like you were doing a lot of good things, you know, and uh, and and should have got recognized, especially when you see your peers, uh, you know, getting that recognition. And and at this point in your hockey kind of career or pursuit of hockey, did you still have your eyes on like, were you I'm going to be a pro, or or was it like I wanted to go to university, or like what was your mindset there after that 17 year old year, 100 points, and and not getting drafted? No, I, I still had a, you know, you still want to be a pro. Before I even went to uh, the Western, the guy that had some schools and, 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 you know, Michigan, Michigan State, some schools talking to you, sending all this stuff, wanting you to come on visits and, and all that. And I, I decided I wasn't really, uh, you know, it wasn't a big, I wanted to play hockey. That's it. From, from day one, when I first went, I told my parents I was going to play in the National Hockey League. And I think that, uh, you know, it was always about that. Okay, 17, it didn't work. 18, didn't work. Now you got to, now you got to really grind and you got to, you got to work and you got to, you know, look around and, you know, and first thing you got to look in the mirror and, and what can I do better? What can I, you know, how can I, you know, up my game to, 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 to get to the next level? Obviously it's not working. All these NHL teams are, are watching you. They're not really giving you a sniff. They're talking to you, interviewing you a little bit, but you know, there's no contracts. There's no, uh, you know, train, not till my 19 year old year training camp or anything. So you go on. And you're, I mean, I, I wrote down some of the guys you played with there. It's crazy. I mean, the, the, the hockey world is a lot smaller than we, than we realize sometimes, you know, like a lot of guys I played with, you were there, Brian McCabe, David Cooper, Ozzy. I didn't realize that's where you played with Ozzy to start off yeah. with Scott Townsend, Rob Niedemeyer, Justin Hawking, Josh Green was a pro, was a roommate of mine in pro down in, uh, in Nashua, New Hampshire. And so, um, a lot of guys there and a lot of guys that went on to play in the NHL too, you know, and, and so you're, you're witnessing this and the one year, I mean, the, the 120 point year that you had your last year there as a, as a 20 or no, I guess that was your 19 year old year. You were, uh, I mean, the second place guy I wrote down, like had like 64 points or something. The year you had 115, like you, you were the medicine had taggers by all counts and measures. So, I mean, you, you did what you could do in junior, correct? Yeah, that was the, yeah, that was a good year. We had, uh, we had a strong team. I think I had 48, 48 goals that year, I believe. And, and it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of fun, like you said, the team. The team we played on was was you know a lot of good players. We uh, that that was that was tough too because even after that year I didn't have I, I got I got invited to the Pittsburgh Pen Penguins training camp and I went to that camp as a my 20 year old year and that was the first sign where where we all coming out of that camp they wanted to sign me but that was a lockout so there's a lockout they were saying you know they want to sign me but I'm going to start in the uh, what was the it was the NHL IHL and then there was the East Coast League. I didn't want to go to the East Coast. The guy figured, well, I'll go back as a 20-year-old, let the NHL figure out what's going on. 
and then we can, you know, hopefully have a good year and then go from there. And that's what happened. Went back as a 20 year old and had another solid year. And then, uh, you know, Detroit offered me, it was an AHL contract, AHL East coast league, uh, contract, two way contract. And Kenny Holland was at the time living in the hat scouting there. So he gave me my, my first uh, contract. That's wild. So you turned, was it an NHL deal Pittsburgh was offering you, but they wanted you to start in the coast? It was an uh, AHL deal. An AHL, AHL. It deal. deal. It was good. It was good. They said, and once the season got going, they, they, they told me they'd sign me to an NHL contract, but I, I, I didn't really feel comfortable because if that didn't happen, maybe I struggled down there, you know, injury or something. Now you're, now you're, you know, you're, you can't go back to junior and you still don't have your NHL contract. Good for you though, man. Like that's pretty brave and wise at the same time, you know, for a guy that's wanting to get recognized and you do get recognized, get to go to that first camp. Someone's actually going to give you a contract to play hockey and get paid money to do it. And you're like, nah, I think I'm going to just wait. You know, that's. That was, uh, that was good advice from my, my agent. He was, cause I was, as soon as they put that piece of paper in front of you, you're, you know, where do I sign? And and, but so we, we, it was good. My parents and and I talked and then my, uh, you know, my, my, my agent, Rolly Thompson and I, I had a couple of good, you know, heart to hearts because it had to happen pretty quick because, you know, junior season was starting. So we had to figure things out and they wanted to cut their roster down. So it was uh, yeah, really good decision. Good advice. Awesome. Well, let's talk about, I didn't realize your first camp was Pittsburgh. I assume Mario was there. Yeah. Yeah. Dominic Pittis was, uh, yeah, for the last, I remember you. Yeah. Last for sure. Kings, Dominic Pittis, uh, Jagger, um, um, Brasso. It was a, it was a good, good, uh, Ulf Samuelson was a, Francis. Holy yeah, smoke. So you so you walked that's your so that's your first camp, right? That's the first one you said you got invited to. So your first camp, NHL camp, is with all these Hall of Famers essentially. What what was what do you remember from that from that experience? Well it was uh it was great. I believe that's the first year that uh Nas uh, was it Naslin come over too. And he was he you know he was there and he was the big hot first rounder. I think he was yeah, it it was a great camp. It was right in the dome there. Um uh played a like a a couple of practices in a little mini round robin tournament had a final the winning team got to go out for for uh for dinner at this you know fancy restaurant we were actually on the winning winning team so it was pretty cool it was a great experience it was i was ronnie francis was our, one of our centermen Brassel was our goalie alfie samuelson was was a defenseman so it was yeah you go there the first first couple of ice times you're just looking at all these these players and you forget about uh, what you're supposed to be doing I, I could totally relate to that. I mean, Mario Lemieux was my guy, like my God growing up, essentially, right? I could imagine if that was the first place that I got to experience what maybe being an NHL player would be like, and yet I have to deal with having my idol on the ice there with me and getting <laughs> caught watching him, I'm sure. Did um, did you ever have that issue? Like, I, you ended up in the NHL and, you know, I mean, a little later on than some guys kind of make it, which allows you to grow some maturity, but I... I know when I was, you know, in and out of, of that opportunity of the NHL, I was, I was still young enough, I felt, and not maybe mature enough from the side of it to feel like this is where I'm supposed to be, as opposed to, you know, like having Matt Sundin in, in, my, in my room growing up, and now I'm on his line. Like, that just didn't, there's something about that that didn't seem to make sense. Did you, did you ever have a hard time kind of getting over that fact? Yeah, you know what, Mike, because I spent three years in, uh, in Adirondack, um, you know, Detroit's farm team. They had a good, good team. They did a good job, um, you know, surrounding us young guys with good, solid vets. We were competitive every year. And, and Detroit was stacked back then. Like, you, you looked up, nobody really got called up unless there was injuries. And even if you went up, you didn't play much. You come back down. I never got a sniff, never got a game until – so three years went by. And in my last year in the, in the American League, I had 92 points. So I had a good year. And then 
you know, of course, now you need waivers. And, and back then, I was just, you know, I went to camp every year, tried to make the team, they send you down. So now you need waivers. Well, now I go to Detroit's camp, and, you know, same thing. They, they, they just, uh, just won the cup. Now you go to camp, you're looking around, well, they're stacked again. But, you know, Kenny's, Kenny's working, the, working the roster, working the lineup. They trade Mike Knubel. I, I get a spot on the, uh, on the opening night roster. But once again, um, you know, you look at, the, look at the lineup, where are you going to play? I'll never forget this, Scott. And I was like that. It was, well, where am I going to fit in? How, how am I going to play here? I'm a young guy. I, you know, first, I didn't play many. I sat out quite a few games to start the season. And Scotty Bowman called me in and basically said, like, you know, I love your work ethic. You made the team. You had a great camp. I think I had four or five goals in training camps. So I had a good – or in preseason, had a good preseason. And he said, you know, right now, this team's – we're playing well. We're winning. We have a veteran lineup. You, you keep working. You keep – keep doing your thing. And when, when your opportunity comes, you'll be ready. And that's what happened. There was an injury here and uh, here and there. And then once the season starts and, and then it, uh, you know, I got into, I believe it was 59 games that first, that first season. Or, so it was a good, good rookie year. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, let's, let's backtrack just a bit. You mean that's, that's stepping into a team that's just won the cup. That's ridiculous, but you're in, I love you. You talked about kind of that red wing system. You mean uh, they, I've spoken about it before and I've definitely asked a lot of questions about it. And it really seemed like they had something good going on there. Like how they, how that farm team was connected, not so much like, cause there was a lot of traffic up and down, but you felt a part of that organization. Anyone I've talked to, like felt like they were a part of things, you know, for, from camp all the way down. And you played three years there in the minors. How did that get you ready for your time in the NHL? Like, what do you think you were learning down there? Well, like I said, I think you, you looked at our, 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 you know, our goaltending was, 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 was solid. Our defense, we had a couple, couple of veteran defensemen with a bunch of prospects, four prospects, maybe two veterans. You know, every forward line had a, had a veteran guy on it. So it allowed you, you know, you need some, some size, some toughness to protect your young guys. And it was, it was good. And the good thing was, is you always had management coming in and out. You know, it's in, you're in Glens Falls, New York. You know, the, the, the GM's coming in, the assistant GM's coming in, the scouts are coming in. So they're showing that you're watching. I think that's that's really key for for prospects. You want to know one one you're getting you know getting uh, good opportunity, good good ice time. If you can't play and you're not you know able to produce and and and, and play out there, it's tough. But also you have to know that uh, you know the, the the management's watching so that when when you're playing well or you're struggling or whatever, they're they're there to seeing it. Because same thing back then, there was no you're not just flipping on uh, AHL TV to watch your your minor league team. You got to physically travel there, which was which was hard. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I can relate to that. We felt, I felt that was one of the downsides, although I loved playing in St. John's, Newfoundland, like the people were amazing. Everything was good. Like I was successful there from a, from a player standpoint, no one saw you, you know, like they were rarely ever there. And it was so far away that it was like such a hard call up that, you know, I mean, it was a really hard place to get into Toronto too. So like, um, I would, I mean, that would, that would definitely lift your spirits. I mean, everyone's in the minors is usually there because they don't, and they don't want to be there, right? They want their plan to get somewhere else. And to know that, you know, Ken Holland's coming in, the assistant GM's coming in, and these guys are watching, at least you feel like you're, you're a part of the system. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the, you know, that's the thing too. They, they, Detroit has always done a good job of, you know, of, of making sure their prospects are ready. And if, if a guy comes over, over from overseas or from the CHL and he's, and he's a star and he's, and he's able to play, you know, if you're top nine and, and he's getting regular ice time, yeah, go for it. If not, you know, they did a good job of, of, of taking their time with their prospects, and, you know, making them, you know, it's tough to rewind development. I always like to say it's tough to rewind that because once you, once they go to the league and they struggle and it's too much for them, it's, uh, it's tough to get that, comp- you, as you know, 
you know, you get that confidence. It's, it's not something you go to the store and buy. It's, it's hard to, hard to get and hard to keep, especially in the best league in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things, I mean, which I, which I notice is, you know, you're, you're the, you're the guy on the team, you know, like you, you're captain in, in medicine hat, you're getting all these points. You end up being that in, in Adirondack as well. I mean, 92 points in the AHL is hard to do, you know, like it's, it's a hard league to score. And so, I mean, to, to, to do that is a testament to you. And then, but at the same breath, so you're getting better, like from an offensive standpoint, but is that really what is getting you to the NHL at that point? Like, how are you working on yourself as a player to, to try and become an NHL player? Well, I think that that's over my three years there, I think they did a good job too. I always played power play. I was always more of an offensive guy, but then they started, they started, you know, letting me kill penalties and taking more faceoffs. And, you know, if you're, if you're winning more faceoffs, you're going to be out there later in the game and stuff. So they, that's how I kind of, like I said earlier in junior, my defensive game, I'll be the first one to admit it wasn't good. You know, I never got in, in, in minor hockey. I wasn't, you know, it was about scoring goals and, and, and going, going North and, you know, not, not taking care of your own end. So they, they made that a priority. And, then if you're, you know, they break it down for you, you're looking up, you're not going up to replace Eiserman, Fedorov, Larionov. You know, you're going to have to battle it out for the fourth line and maybe, you know, maybe third line and, uh, you know, basically go out there and, and if you get an opportunity to play with those guys, great. But if not, just make sure the puck's uh, not going in your net because that's what I learned when you got to the NHL. If you were on the ice and the puck went in your net, it, it was tough to get back out there. Well, 100%. And I think the lesson is what I'm – what I'm fishing for is like that every, I mean, everyone's so worried about that aspect, right? Like their numbers, you know I mean? And of course, like you even mentioned yourself at, at a certain age, I mean, you're just going out there and you're having fun and you're going to be the best player on the ice probably. And you're going to score some points, which is great. But like the, the fact is, is that everybody that's coming up has been that guy in their team for the most part. Right. Yeah. And then there's only, there's less and less spots available for those guys. So at some point you, you need to develop those aspects of your game. That's going to, allow you to get at least into the lineup to get the opportunity to play maybe in those other spots. Is that sort of how, what you felt like you needed to do or, or what they told you you had to do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, then I, as you're going through the Myers, you wish that, you know, back in junior, you were, you were kind of held more accountable and may, maybe, you know, or even in, in minor hockey, you know, you know, if you, if you turn pucks over a little bit late in the game when it's closer or if you're up by a goal, you know, that's where you learn that. And that's where, you know, like, like back checking a little bit harder, staying on the right side of the puck and all that. Those are, those are all little habits that you learn at a young age that if you're held accountable and you carry those up, a lot of kids in junior hockey, they go, they play, maybe they're not on the best team, but they play the right way. You know, they get drafted, maybe not, you know, someone from a different team who has the same amount of points goes in the second round. This kid gets drafted in the fourth or fifth, but he plays the right way. Now we bring him to our organization or some other organization. He starts playing with good players and he takes off, it's all about the habits and, and, and playing the right way, which, you know, we go to the minors and all of our prospects that, that are, are in the minors that don't spend much time there, it's not like they go there and they score three goals a game. They go there, they play the right way. Now we need a reliable player in Tampa. Now you go to Tampa, you play with good players, and off you go. And you start scoring a little bit more. Maybe even some kids even score, I shouldn't call them kids, some players score more in the NHL, you know, than the AHL because – it's it's a little more organized and and you like I said you're playing with the top players in the world it makes it a little easier yeah no no for sure what what do you you said that maybe your work ethic quite wasn't what it should have been in junior um 
you know, I remember we worked out a little bit in the summers. I, mean, I don't remember what year that was or even where I was or where you were at, but I remember you being a committed guy. Like, I, I remember that about you. You know, was there, was there some point where you kind of started to, to get it more or you started to put more time in on that type of stuff? Was there, was there a leader, an example, or was it just kind of you maturing as a player and a person? Well, I, I realized when I, my, even my first year in, uh, in medicine, you know, you, you know, it's like you have your breakfast club or whatever. Back then, we didn't really, there wasn't really many, you know, workouts or gyms. It was more you showed up to make sure you got a bed, you went and did some community service and stuff. Nowadays, these kids and these, these players are, are, are in the gym and doing some extra stuff, which was, which would have been great for me. Then I went to the minors. Even then, you know, there, a lot of travel, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of games, you know what it's like. And then it, it's, you know, day off here, day off there. You know, by my third year, I'd figured out, okay, I got to get in a little better shape. I got I to gotta be stronger. And I've been to a couple camps now. I go up there, I'm getting bumped around a little bit. And then actually my, after my third year in Adirondack, we lost out in the playoffs and I went to, uh, got called up as a black ace, went to Detroit and they're going on another run. And I stayed there for the first three rounds and we went home uh, in the finals because everybody was healthy. And, and it was unreal watching, watching Steve Eisenman. It was, it was, it was crazy. After practice, he's on the bike. This is playoffs. He's he's in playoffs. Him and Chris Draper, they're on the bike. They're they're you know the next day day off. They're in the gym just tweaking, just doing a bit, maybe a little bit of maintenance here and there. And I thought, holy cow! I remember they sent me home, and usually you take some time off. I remember driving right home, drove all the way from Michigan to Lethbridge, Alberta, and I went right to the gym, and and that was my 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 turning point, I guess. You know, I came to camp the next year. I was in unreal shape. My body fat was down, and, and from that point on, it was uh, you know, a big part of my, my summer. I really looked forward to it. I loved it. I enjoyed it, and uh, you know, I, I tried to not let anybody outwork me, so that was my, my big thing. That's awesome, and it's, and it's amazing. Like, time and time again, when I have these conversations, it is, it's that perspective, right, of like seeing, seeing what else is out there and is available and what other guys are doing, you know, because – your perspective is only your perspective, right? And, and there's not many guys that are like, get to junior or, or, or get anywhere in the game that don't feel that they're hard workers. I don't think there's many guys that say, oh, I'm pretty lazy. You know, like you think you're doing, you think you're going pretty hard, right? You mean like you're committed and you're doing these things. Um, but unless you see somebody else, right? In, in a position where you're like, oh my God, that, okay, so that is what some guys do. Well, I guess I can do that too, right? And now it gives you that idea that, hey, Maybe there's another level for Stacy or for Jason or whoever the player is, um, and 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 Brian McCabe was just saying that his was Gary Roberts and uh, and Matt Sundin. He was like, I couldn't believe these guys. He'd been in the NHL for seven years and thought he kind of had it figured out. And he's like, once I was ex once I was exposed to that, it was it was just so powerful for him to reach another level in his game. Absolutely. And then in, in, in an example like Detroit, like, you know, a team like there, like when when the, when the best player on the team and, our, and the captain's doing it. You know, he's looking around the room and, and, and you're not doing it. You're over there pretty quick. You know, it was, it was amazing how they all bought in. And, and uh, but yeah, you're right. You, you, as a young kid, you think, you know, even in practice, you're working hard, you're working hard. And, and uh, you know, but it's, you can always go harder. You can always be pushed. And, and uh, it's like the old drill at the end of practice when you, your coach blows and you do a hard lap. And, you know, some kids are, are, are got the arms flying. The other kids are trying to catch the guy in front of you. And it's little, little things like that, that, you know, push each other and, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the key. That's the what key. is the, um, what was the, you made that team out of camp then. So you're saying in 80, in 98, 98, uh, 98, 99 for your first NHL game, you made, you made the Red Wings out of camp. Yeah. Yeah. They had, uh, like I said, they had a little bit of roster issues because uh, 
you know, like I, I need waivers. And I, I found this out later that, that, you know, at the time you don't know, you don't know if you're going to go through waivers and stuff, but then you think back, like at that point, I'm just focused on making the team. I had a good year. Other teams probably would have played me. So Detroit, you know, moved, uh, remember we traded Mike Kimmel to Boston, which opened up a spot for me. And, and that was it. That was my break. That's awesome. So what was that? Uh, I mean, what were the feelings? I mean, obviously you're excited. I mean, like this, like that's pretty cool. I mean, usually most guys are like their first game is, you know, a call up or something just to get their feet wet. You're not making the team out of camp unless you're like an 18, 19 year old kind of kid generally. Right. So uh, that must've been super wild. Just walk, walk me through how you found out or, I mean, who, who told you that you made the team? Well, to start the year, I was, I was, uh, I was still in a hotel. So then, you know, and Kenny was, Kenny was there and Kenny Holland was there and he, he told me like, you had a good camp. I'm going to keep you around. I'm in the hotel, and then right before the season started, it was it was pretty cool because um, after practice, Darren McCarty comes to my uh, comes to my hotel, knocks on the door, and says, "All right, let's go." I said, "What do you mean? Where, where, where am I going?" I thought maybe he's taking me to the airport, <laughs> going getting sent down. But he he took me in. I lived at his house for a month with uh, him and his wife and his and his, his young son, and it was awesome. My uh, it was it was fantastic. God, it, it, that made it so much easier. Now you're a part of it. He gave me one of his one of his cars. Now I, I can you know. You know what it's like. You're in a hotel. You're not. You you know you're you're doing well. You're 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 playing, but it's still not the same. Once I went there, it was good, settled in. And after that month there, um, you know, Kenny told me to get a get a place and look for a house. So went and got a condo. And uh, yeah, so it was pretty cool. That was that was awesome. Good good feeling. That is super cool. Uh, so what that, that season then were you were you mostly then were you kind of we talked about were you kind of a fourth line third line center is that what role you're you're playing or what type of what, what were the minutes like well that that was uh, it took me a while to get in like I sat out like I said that 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 they were all healthy at the beginning of the year it took me a while to get in the lineup and then uh, <laughs> that was actually I, I played wing I didn't I hadn't played much wing and that's one thing I regretted as a as a youngster I played a lot of center a lot of center and didn't play as much you know I wish maybe my coaches would have mixed me mixed me around a little bit more left wing right wing so now I'm, I'm going to the NHL and I'm, you're getting play with you're not taking like I said before Draper's your fourth line center you got Larry on you got Fedorov and you got Eiserman I'm pretty sure that I'm moving one of those guys to the wing for me so I I go in there and uh it was it was it was a little bit tough you know to uh to get used to playing a lot of the wing and but it was you know played left wing played right wing the odd time if somebody was banged up I get to play in the middle um, but so it was, uh, it was good. So, you know, like I said, as a youngster, it would have been a little bit better for me. I think if I would have been moved around a little bit more in every position, good lesson for a lot of the young kids out there to, you know, and then when you get to, to any training camp, there's, you got, instead of four spots open to try out for, you know, there's 12, you can be, you can be, be any position, right? Yeah, I know that's adaptability is a huge thing. Versatility is huge for sure. Uh, any stories from that team? Like you mentioned, you I mean how many Hall of Famers did you mention there already? You know, like being being able to be in a locker room with some of those guys. Uh, you know, it's your first tour of the league. You know, you're 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 around these these guys that you know everyone in the hockey world knows and is idolized. I mean, what what are some of the takeaways from that first from that first season? Well, they, they we only had a couple of rookies on the team that year, so it was it was it was you know they've been there together for a while and they had lots of success and they won cups. And, the one thing I did remember is that like you went on the road with these guys, you never paid for a meal. Like they were fantastic with, you know, they've, they're, they've been in the league for a while, you know, not that that's, you, you know, you had your, you, you're getting good money. You had your per diem. That was all set, but it was, it was amazing how you always went out with different guys. Um, everybody always went out together. 
and they, they took care of the young guys. And that you could tell that that was a tradition, you know, that started years ago that, you know, and as you moved up and as you got older, you new guys came in, they really took care of you. So it was a, it was a great team to, to really learn how to be a pro, you know, with, was that, was that. Uh, Did you when, feel anything different? Like when, so you ended up going to, maybe we'll talk about how you got to Minnesota, but I, I've, uh, I've talked a little bit about my experience at training camp in Detroit, because right at the end I'd, I'd gone to Japan I'd done overseas. I kind of found my, my fire again. I was like, you know what? I, I think I can play in this, in, in the league. And I want to have an opportunity to try and do that. And, and Detroit gave me a, a chance there with Kenny and, and Mike Babcock. And I went to that training camp at Traverse city. And it was like, it was like no other training camp that I've been to. It was the fifth team that I had been a part of, you know, on the NHL level for that. And uh, the people that were there at that camp, like the, you know, like the, the Holmstrom's and the Lidstrom's and the Hasek's and uh, the Franzen's and like all these guys were just really amazing people. And like, I just felt so damn comfortable there in a good way, you know, like that I belonged and that I could like participate and I could be a part of this thing. Um, I really regret getting hurt there early. Cause I was just like, it was the first time where I felt like, yeah, man, these guys take care of each other. And like, they want you to feel comfortable because they want you, they want you to succeed. Uh, did you feel that like did you even know that that was to be felt because like when you step into an organization it's your first one you might not even know that that's not how it is in a lot of places oh yeah exactly you're uh you know you obviously start from when i was there you know kenny was the gm so you, you know kenny kenny is he's 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 an outgoing guy he, he likes to hang around those people and that's that's where you, drive. you know like character is a huge thing if you're you're bringing in good people into your organization, you know, it's, 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 it's contagious and it carries over and it trickles down right through from your, your training, you know, your training staff, all the way to your medical staff, to your, to every one of your players, to your front office, to your secretary, like it's, it's contagious. And I think, you know, they did a great job of that. Like, like you said, you go in there, whatever you needed, they, whether you were the top player or the, or the, or the, you know, first call up, they treated you, you're very fair, whether, you know, if you need treatment or equipment, was always first class and uh that was yeah that was fun to be a part of yeah and the way the guy the older guys treated the young guys like i mean you know that business is a business i mean a lot of times you're getting chased out potentially by the guy coming up from the minors you know if you're an older guy um and guys protect their jobs because of that but there was there was just a feeling there well not even a feeling i witnessed it like a guy like you know, like you said, uh, Draper, like Draper's t teaching Helm how to do face-offs. I mean, Helm's going to take his job probably, you know, but like he's going out of his way to make this kid feel comfortable, make him feel better, you know, and there was a lot of that that was going on there. And I mean, now you're in a GM position and you're a part of a, you know, a successful team in Tampa. Like, is there any lessons from that? Like, how do you teach guys to, to do that? Is it a, is it a character thing early on? Or are you, are you looking for those intangibles of the type of people like you mentioned already? Or how do you do yeah, it? Yeah, I think the draft is tough. You know, you, you, the draft is tough because you don't get to see, you know, you, you, you talk to their junior coaches, you talk to their billets, you talk to their friends, and everybody's got good things to say about all these players. And the character is key. Like you said, drafting characters, you know, because you, 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 now you draft them, you got a couple of years before you sign them. And obviously if you draft them, you're hoping that you sign them because you've made that commitment to them. You don't get many, you know, you get seven picks a year. If you trade a couple or maybe you can obtain a couple, but now you're, uh, you know, with the salary cap, you have to make your, you have to, the draft is key and the, your development is key. The high character is, is, is critical for, for growth mindset, for, you know, for, like you said, being around good people. You want your training staff to want to be around that player. You want your coaching staff to be invested in that player. And if, if they're good, hardworking, high character kids, you know, that's a, that's, that's a big couple of big boxes for us. Right. 
but then, yeah, I mean, that, so that's the draft. I mean, but if, if I'm talking about the veteran guys, I mean, that starts in the draft, I guess, is that's what you're saying. I mean, you bring in the right people and those people become cornerstones of your organization. Uh, they bring those character traits up into a 10-year veteran who now knows the value of taking care of somebody younger than them. But I mean, that's a long process in that scenario, you know. Um, I guess, you I mean, there is no secret sauce. And I guess, I mean, to ask you that, it wouldn't be fair because everyone's trying to do it. I mean, everyone's trying to find that scenario. Um, but when you got it, I mean, I just, it was such a tangible feeling being there, like feeling, seeing what success was like and now talking to Detroit, like what those guys treat each other like, how inclusive it was. Um, it, like I said, it was very different. And yet we're all playing in the same league. I mean, I was part of the Islanders and the Kings and the Maple Leafs and, uh, you know, these other, these other organizations that weren't as successful. And it felt like I was actually playing in a different place in Detroit, the way they had it dialed in there. Yeah. You know, like you said, though, they, they, that's why it's so key. You, you need your, your, your core group to, you know, to, for, and now we're going to get some of our young guys are going to come up and take the jobs of, of some of our older, maybe higher priced, uh, you know, players. Like I said, the salary cap's a huge, a huge thing you have to manage. And, 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 you know, you need those character guys to step in and they can't be, you know, it can't be high maintenance or, or, or not in it for the team or, you know, don't know their role or, or, or whatever. So that that's key for us is that that character. And then as they get get older, more mature, now they become more part of the you know the leadership group, and 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 then they carry the younger ones that are coming through. So that all starts with the you know with the draft. You have to have to make sure you you have you have all those uh, boxes checked. Are you? Um, we'll get into the draft a little bit. I do, get, do want to get back to you though. And then when you left Detroit and, you know, remind me to get back there because I want to know what that experience was like in Minnesota and then also going overseas. But when you're, when you're asking these questions and, and, and it comes up time and time again, the, the importance of the intangibles, uh, the, the character aspect, the leadership, the, you know, the, the ability to be a self-starter, right. To, to not have your hand held. All these things are super important when you're trying to identify but how do you get really get that information? Because most guys will talk a pretty good game. You know, like you said, like people are, are generally going to go to bat for guys. Um, what, what is the, like, how, how do you go about doing it in, in your opinion? Well, I mean, you got to talk to as many people as you can, but I'm a big believer. Like you got to watch as many games as you can. You know, you go to the game, you, t you find out a lot about that right there. You watch one, how the coach is interacting with them. What? Two, how he's being used. Is a coach, you know, does he have trust in him? Is he working hard? You know, body language is huge. If that, if, if you're in the, if you're in the, let's say major junior hockey and you're playing in front of, you know, full rinks and a guy misses you with a pass and you're going to, you're going to show him up and give him the, the hands in the air and, and, or, you know, or a bad call or something. That's, that's, that's a big, big sign for me. If you, if you see all those and, and, and there's, you know, no issues with you no know, work ethic, no issues with body language, you know, being good to his teammates and stuff. That's to me, because once, once that game's on the line and he heat of the battle, that's when the true, you know, you see the true colors of, of, of the player. You've been there. You, you're, you're, you know, last minute, couple left, you know, minutes left in the game, something doesn't go your way. You know, how are you going to react? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to grind it out or you're going to, you know, going to, you know, show the body language and start, uh, you know, the true colors start showing up. Right. No, it's super interesting. And, and, and I, two questions come up with that. Like one is, people do mature emotionally at different rates. You know I mean? I, I think we can all agree that we weren't the same player at 18 than we maybe were at 28, you know, that we can, there's some growing to do. So I think there would have to be some acknowledgement of that, I guess, when you're looking at a guy, you know I mean, is this guy just, 
you know, will he ever be, you know, like, or, or is this just now, you know, I guess you have to answer that question. And then I guess my second part of that question is how far would that, I mean, you, you, I, I suppose you can't put a number on it, but like, let's say this guy's like a, you know, projected to go, maybe he's got thir- 30th overall talent, but you're seeing some of the stuff you're talking about, right? Like, and now it's like, geez, like you take him in the fifth round or you do not touch him at all. Or like, you know, like how, how does that, how do you place that in, in, in the whole pecking order? Well, that, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, you have to, you have to look at you know, the pros and the cons. And, but then, then again, it goes back to, we, you know, we believe in, in Tampa. We have our, our organization in the minors. You know, we have good, solid veterans that, we, that are there. And, and if we bring this, this, this player in maybe a little bit, you know, some character questions or whatever, we're confident that with that group there, you know, if, if, if hey, this is how we do it. This is how our staff works. This is how our players work. This is, you know, this is a protocol for being a lightning lightning player and, and uh, we're confident hey we can get this kid to to, to to jump on board and obviously if it's if it's way you know if it's so many issues that it's, it's always tough but you know like you said people people mature they they you know because that's the big thing too in junior you go from being the top dog to now you go hopefully you make tampa or detroit or, or whatever team now you go to the minors and now you know, I always say that's where they kind of first meet their match because now you go there and now holy, there's there's, there's a lot of good players here. They're all, we're all trying to get to the NHL. Maybe I thought I was here, but oh, I'm I'm actually not first line. So I'm third line. I got to work my way up. And now you'll see, you know, see their grind game and see their growth mindset. And you know, that's a huge thing for us. If you want to, with all the resources and, and and player development stuff, the growth mindset is the biggest uh, is the biggest factor in that. Well, I mean, yeah, you said that word three times now, and I kind of let you get away with it without even talking about it. But it's, uh, I mean, it's it's beyond kind of a buzzword now. It's like it's like reality, and I, I don't think, you know, it's, uh, we we're, we're both referencing the work of Carol Dweck and and her book Mindset that she you know she did these studies to identify, you know, the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset, and how much benef- more beneficial it is to have the belief that you can always get better and the belief that you can improve and, and how that manifests itself into, you know, not only player development, but also the human aspect of, of things. And, um, and with you, when you speaking about that, I mean, you, you, you sound kind of like me because I do believe like the thing with character is like, I approach that from a growth mindset now, which I never did before. I kind of thought, you know, guys who were, they are, I mean, were who they were, but you give the guys the right inputs and you give them the right ability and you give them the right support. Like people can change, right. But they have to believe they can change. Uh, you talking like that in the position that you're in, in Tampa now, is that uh, a philosophy that Tampa Bay has kind of embraced to become a growth mind mindset organization? Yeah, because you now that's also tough too, because like I said before, it's 17, 16 years old, you go to the, the junior and you're playing and you have a, and you're successful 17 year old, you're getting better. You're getting, more success, you get drafted. Eighteen-year-old, you sign. But where's your, you know, that's that's also tough. Okay, we want you to have growth mindset. And you got to get better, and you got to improve your game. And you got to work on this. But they really haven't had had to. I mean, they they're working on their game, but they haven't really failed yet. Now you come. So that's also a tough one to uh, a tough one until you get them, you know, into that situation. Whether it's in Tampa or or in in, in the American League or in the NHL or the American League, it's hard to find that stuff out. You know, it's hard to find that out until they. So they meet their match. Like I always said, the AHL, they meet their match. That's a, that's, as you know, that's not an easy league. That's a, as I said before, a lot of the players actually do better maybe in the NHL than the AHL because, you know, that uh, now they get there and I, okay, maybe it's not going as well as they, 
as they, they thought, all right, now what are we going to do to, you know, we're, we're, like I said, whatever we you need, we've got our sports psych, we've got our skills coach, skating coaches, video coaches, you name it. Now it's up, you know, we'll, we'll help them along, but it's up to them to, to, to dig in and, and uh, we'll, we'll give them whatever they want. Like I always say to, say to the players, I can't do it for you. I wish I could because it would, it would mean I, I, I'm still playing. And I wish I would have known this, obviously, like, like I'm sure you've, you've thought about it a hundred times. I wish I knew all this when I was still playing because it would have made me a better player. But that yeah. growth, that growth mindset. No, man, it's crazy because when I, when, when I, I mean, I'm starting to study this with what I do too, and I'm a big believer in it. But like, as far as from an organizational standpoint, um, to really embrace that from the top down of like what that means to be, to have a growth mindset as, as a, as a culture, it, I, I, I think it would be challenging when I've thought of it before, okay, now how would I, how would I introduce this into an NHL format, right? Because the NHL is a results based place. I mean, it is at the end of the day, right? You need to win yet. The growth mindset is about, you know, learning from your mistakes and embracing the challenges and getting back up when you, when you fall and when you fail and allowing that to happen, right? That process. So, um, so I, I assume that there is a bit of a challenge. I mean, the AHL is a developmental league. You're allowed to fail there a little bit more than you are in the NHL. It's the whole idea of why you have young guys there, and I'm sure that's an easier one. Uh, how is the approach with the young guys when you bring them up? Is, is, is there an organizational philosophy to that? Is it, is it less on the coach, like how he wants to handle the mistakes, how he wants to deal with that? Or what is the philosophy when it comes to that? Well, I, I, obviously, like you said, it's a, it's a young guys coming up to the NHL, it's a, it's a winning league. Like you want to, you know, because coaches, they don't, they're not just good guys up there. If they don't win, they don't produce. It's tough for them to keep their jobs, right? Yeah. GM is the same, the same way. So it's, I mean, we, we, we've, we've had some good teams for a number of years now. When our young guys come up, what's, like I said before, they get to play with good players. And, and we've, we've got a lot of our players now that have been the, Mer- or the, the minors that are, that are playing in, you know, in Tampa. So it's, you know, when, when they come up, it's, it, they might get a little bit of a, you know, longer leash, I guess, if you, if you do make a mistake or, or, you know, to, uh, you know, get used to the league a little bit, but you know, it's, it's, it's a, there's a fine line there. Cause as, as a I kid, the reason why you got called up is because you're playing, you know, this game. Now you go up there and you change your game. And you're not playing the, you know, the way you were before you got called up. Well, now you're, now you're not, you know, now you're maybe getting sent down somebody else is getting called up. So it's a, it's a, that's why I said before, it's a tough, tough league. You got to make sure they're ready before they get up there. Cause because once they go up and it's not successful, it's tough to it's tough to rewind that. Right. Yeah. No. Interesting. Because I mean, you you've you've alluded to that a couple of times, and even yourself on a personal level, to you know your dad having the 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 the, the wiseness there to to pull you back and get you into more situations. Where there's some people though that would say, you know what, like if you can be around the best, I mean, just be seen, be noticed, show up. You know, I mean, do what you can, and uh, and kind of take that philosophy that you know, you, you should be there if you can, right? Take that opportunity and run with it. Do you think that changes as far as, you know, like when you were, for instance, in your scenario there, when you, when you end up making the NHL and, you know, you're not in the lineup for X amount of games in a row, would you have said to yourself, well, send me back down to the minors where I can get some ice time and play? Or was that, you know, was that the right path for you at that point? Well, that, that, but that's a little bit different just because of the waivers. That's the other thing. Like I did, I did go down there and played. <laughs> it was funny. I hadn't played for a while. So Kenny says, we're going to go down and play in, uh, in, in Adirondack for two games. For two, you're going to play Friday, Saturday, come back Sunday. Perfect. Here's your playing ticket. So you know, you're worried you're not coming back. But then, like I said, a little bit different in the in, uh, national hockey because of the waivers. And if, you, you know, if, you, if they want to send you down, then somebody else gets a chance. You know, they lose you. So I go down there. I never forget. So I hadn't played in a while. 
you're, you're working hard to practice, but you know what that's like. You're not in game shape. So I go down there and I said, you know, to the coach, I said, I haven't played in a while. I'm going I'm to try, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I've been skating hard, been working hard. Well, the first, the first period, you must have played me 10 minutes. By the second period, I'm cramping up. I got a game. I'm already thinking I got to play again tomorrow night. I think I had a goal, maybe one assist in two games. So it wasn't great. But by the end of the third period of the, of the first game, I knew I was already in trouble for the second game. So Kenny, I get, get sent back. And he says, how was it? How was it? He said, you know, did you, did you do anything? How was it? I said, well, it was okay. I said, but I'm Kenny, I'm done. I'm done. I said, I, I must have played 30 some minutes in both games after sitting here, for, <laughs> sitting here for a month. So that was, but that was, that was good. At least you got down there to play, but it's a little bit different. We, but if a player doesn't need, need waivers and he's, and he's not going to, you know, produce at the NHL or, or, you know, get ice time at the NHL, you have to use the minors. They have to play. That's like at any level, if you're, if, you know, it's like if you're, if, if a kid's in midget and he's on the triple A midget team, but he's not playing, maybe it's better for him to go to the double the, the A team and play. And that was my story a little bit with, like I said, in Madison Hat, as a 16 year old, you know, my dad saw it coming when all those players came back from NHL camps. He knew I wasn't going to be on the power play. I probably wasn't going to be playing late in the game. You know, as a 16 year old, you got four, 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds, good team. I go down, played all year. And then the big telltale sign was when I came back and, and I had passed those two 16-year-olds that, that had stayed. You'd think by them being around those bigger, better, you know, more experienced players, they might have, but at the end of the day, you've got to play. You've got to play. And that's the same thing. Like, like I said, you have your young players in the NHL. If they're not playing, that's tough. If, if, if you can get them to minors, they, you know, that's how you get better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so how did, how did, what happened with Minnesota? How did you end up in Minnesota? Well, the, after the, uh, my second year in Detroit, had, had actually played three playoff games. Had, and down the stretch, I'd actually been playing on the line uh, um, with, with Steve Eisman and Pat Verbeek. And we, we were having a good, good end of the season. Then when playoffs started, we had, a, of course, when you look at the lineup in that team, we, had, we, were, we were loaded. So I, I found myself uh, sitting out. And I played actually one game against L.A. And then we, we won that. And then we played Colorado. And I played uh, played two games in that series. Later in the series, once again back with Eisman and Verbeek. So I thought, you know, I had a pretty decent season went on a stack team. Um, yeah, it was down to between me and a couple of guys. You have to protected list. Kenny called me. I think it was maybe a week before uh, uh, the expansion draft and said, "Listen, we're not going to protect you. You're going to be you're going to be exposed in the expansion draft. So then you, you, you know, then you start talking to the teams and, and they start making your calls, your agent talks. So I knew I was going to get picked up in expansion. Um, I actually thought it was going to be Columbus. I thought I was going to go to Columbus. I talked to them more. And then Minnesota actually ended up taking me with the first forward pick in the draft in the, in the, they had the first pick. So they took me as the first forward. Really? So going there. Yeah, that was pretty, it was kind of cool. I found this out later. It was kind of cool. But the, the problem was, is, was I think, you know, I had two years in the NHL, but I really hadn't played all that much. And, and, and going to Minnesota, you know, I remember my first training camp, we just picked Marion Gabrick. My first scrimmage, I'm out there with Marion Gabrick, and I'm going, I'm sitting there going, this is awesome, it's great. But part of me is going, uh-oh, because if, if, you know, they want me to, to play with this kid, he was, he was unreal how fast and skilled he was. But I, I hadn't played, I really hadn't played that much. I was, you know, a third, fourth line guy, no, no special teams. And, and, and maybe lost a little bit of my game from not playing that much. So it was a little, it was really tough the first year to, you know, to, to be able to, I knew I could do it. I, I knew I could play better. I put a lot of pressure on myself. And then 
after, later in the year, I started to really, you know, play better, which they brought me back for another year. And then that second year, I had a really good start to the season. Um, the first week, I think I was second all-star or second star of the league and stuff, but had a really good start, a couple goals early, had some confidence. And then same thing, it just, you know, started to play a little bit less, you know, lost the confidence and I could never really, never really get, a, get you know, get back, back on track. So um, it was a tough, I love Minnesota. The, the fans were unreal. We got, finally got hockey back. It was the rink was at that time was the best in the league. It was, it was, it was unreal. The energy in the XL energy center was just fantastic. And, and I love the organization, the owners, everybody was awesome. It was, you know, I, I always say, I just, I wish I, I wish I would have played better. I wish I would have, you know, not put as much pressure on myself and, and just went on and, and, and played your game. I think I, when things didn't go my way, I started pressing a little bit and I, you know, just just couldn't couldn't really get it get it uh, going the right way. Hello there. Just a quick interruption to the conversation, which I hope you are enjoying. If you are enjoying this, if you are a frequent listener, as you know, in most of my episodes, I ask for your support. If you are a coach, share it with your team. If you are a parent, share it with your athlete. If you are a fan, share it amongst your your buddies. If you are in a fan club, share it with them. Uh, this stuff, I truly believe, can make a difference for some players. To hear other people's journeys, to be, hear other people's stories, and what, what has worked and what hasn't worked for them. And to really understand that there is a person behind the athlete. So uh, that's what makes this podcast different. And I'm going about this in a completely organic way. Uh, I'm just producing the content and hoping that people enjoy it, consume it, and share it. Uh, that's what it's about. So please be, please be a reason of uh, of marketing for me, and and share share what you enjoy here with others, and and we'll continue to grow this, and I'll keep trying to produce stuff uh, that is relevant and meaningful to the listeners out there. So thank you so much for your support. Now back to the conversation. How was your relationship with Jacques there, Lemaire? Did you enjoy playing for him, or what was what was that like? He, well, he, I mean. People always say I, I played for Scotty, you know, Scotty Bowman, and then Jock Lemaire. He's a great Jock's great. He's a he's a systems guy. Like you know, we people always said about the trap and stuff. Like we he we we had that thing mastered, and and we we beat a lot of teams that year. We we were in a lot of close games, and and without Jock there, I mean that was back when there was no salary cap, so we we're all we we're all younger guys that. You know, we're we're kind of new to the league. We had a couple of veteran guys that they picked up in expansion, but we actually did pretty well the first couple of years because of the, the coaching of him. But right. Jock was good to me, but it was a little bit, you know, I was more of an offensive guy, and uh, and and he was it was it was a lot of defense in that team. So were you hoping then? Like you said, you didn't really have that opportunity in Detroit. I mean, you had an opportunity to play. I mean, like not a ton, but. Um, Towards the end of that last year, you started getting some bigger minutes playing with Eiserman, obviously, and maybe stepping into that role that you were hoping for, maybe, right, uh, kind of all along. And then you go to Minnesota, and, and now you're with Gabrick, and, yeah, maybe I'm going to be a top-six guy here, right? Like, and maybe I'm going to be a guy that's, you know, going to be able to produce. Is that is that what they wanted, and you, you feel like you didn't – like, is that what you mean? Like, you feel you wish you would have played better? You wish you would have stepped into that opportunity? Or was that really the opportunity they were giving you? Well, I think, you know, like, once again, you're in the lineup in Detroit. You're playing with – you're playing with – you know, really good players. And you're you're the and you're you're the you know maybe the youngest weakest you know player on your line. And it was it was so you, you go there and you, it's it's easier to play. You, now you go to Minnesota, 
and, and, and you're getting the opportunity now, but you know, I'm not sure if I was quite, I don't know if I was ready for it or if I, like I said, once it didn't, I put a lot of pressure on myself and once it really didn't go, you know, numbers wise and you start dropping on the lineup then you're a healthy scratch and now you really got to battle, you know, to get back in the lineup and find your spot. And, and it was, uh, it was a tough, it was a tough, you know, tough first year there to really, you know, confidence wise and just, you know, you know, like fitting in. Right. And then I see the 58 games in the second year. Was that, was that when things, were you starting to get healthy scratched or were you hurt that year? Or what, what, what did the games played there mean? Yeah, I got some uh, yeah, the healthy scratch there and they, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite, quite a stretch there. And then same thing though, late in the year, late in the year, I, I, I picked it up again. I started, started playing more and, uh, and, and, and got into a bit of a groove, but it was, uh, and then after that, I, was, I signed one more year back in Detroit after that one. And that was with, and that's when you went to Grand. So you then you had Grand Rapids. Oh, and you had to two games in in uh, in Detroit. Okay, so that deal was done. Detroit signs you back again. You have a really good year again in the AHL. Um, was that disappointing to not make that team out of camp? That well, I knew, I knew, I I talked. Now, 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 I was getting what was I twenty eight, and and I knew that you know like, um, you know, D- Detroit was a good team again, and plus they, you know, their veteran guy. Now they wanted me to be that veteran guy, um, maybe. A pretty good year, really good playoffs that year um, for, for Grand Rapids. We had a really good team. We actually lost in game seven in the semifinals to, uh, to Houston. We eventually won it. So that was disappointing. But we had a good uh, – it was a good year. I, I, I love that year because I got to play a lot. You know, it's back to – if I would have had that year and then went to Minnesota, it would have been a different story. Because now I played. Now I'm getting more – now I'm penalty kill. Now, I'm, you know, I was actually uh, taking all the face-offs and all that. And now your confidence is high. Now you're ready to go. But it's uh, – like I said, it's tough to rewind it. Well, not even, you mean, not only is your belief there in yourself, right? Because you've earned it, because you've been doing it. So there's, there's no, there's less self-doubt. But you also, your, your tools are better, right? Because you've, you, like you said, you've been using them. I, I can totally relate to that towards the end of my career. I felt that I actually got worse as, as things went on because like you, you stop doing the same things and you stop working on stuff. Like we, we talked about that growth mindset, right? Like you, you get so trapped in being a professional sometimes and like what that means as far as, you know, the travel and, and all this stuff around how many games you're playing that you kind of forget about getting better or improving, you know, it's about systems and it's about these other things. And um, yeah, that, uh, that, that approach. And I can totally relate to you, like being in different scenarios, all of a sudden you're killing penalties to just go back out there on a power play. You still have the same hands as you did, or you should, <laughs> you know, the same capabilities, yeah, but yeah. it doesn't quite feel the same. Right. No, exactly. Like I said, I think during the year you lose your skill, you lose your skill. That's why you're looking forward now. Like we're during the season, we have, uh, you know, if you watch a team, NHL team, AHL team struggling, I can guarantee, you know, a good team struggling. I can pretty much guarantee it's because they haven't practiced. You know, you get in a little stretch where you go, go on a road trip, you come home, you give them a day off, you play a game. The next day, you, you know, maybe a, a pregame skate and then play another game. Oh, now we need another day off. Now we got a travel day. There's really no time to practice. It's like any minor hockey team. If you just go out and play a bunch of games and don't practice, well, how are you getting better? So now, now you have to get the puck and you get a stick handle. If, you, if you're not, you know, shooting, shooting in practice, because in a game you get four or five shots. If you're, if you're a third, fourth line guy or, or a bottom pair defenseman, you're not touching the puck. So how you, now you finally get that puck. You haven't touched it in, in, in a couple of days, literally. Yeah. And, and you know, now it's uh and the guys are coming at you. And, and, and so it's a, uh, you know, that's it's, it's for sure. You lose your skill. You gotta, gotta keep it up. So then you made the jump then after that year, um, obviously, I mean, by choice, did you just feel that, you know what, I want to, 
you sort of put the NHL in, in your in the rearview mirror and said, you know what, I want to continue this career. Was was that the mindset, or or what? When you when you hopped over there and ended up going to Switzerland, you know, I, I went over the year before the lockout because I had a good year in the minors, and, and Detroit wanted to sign me back. They offered me a very fair contract. I was I was really happy. They were very loved my time in Grand Rapids. Same thing, fantastic organization, and we loved the city there. It was great. Got called up. You know, they, they promised me, okay, you come back next year, you, you'll get a good opportunity to make the team out of camp. But I wanted to go over there. Um, the, the next year was a lockout coming up, and I knew all the NHL players were going to go over there. So I figured, I went over there, I signed a two-year contract in Switzerland. So I had that year. I wanted to go over there for that year in the lockout, and I was thinking about coming back. Um, the only problem was is that – you know, first year I had a really good year. The second year I, uh, I injured my hip. I got hit from behind and I had to have hip surgery. So I couldn't, so now I had hip surgery in the off season, but I can't get healthy enough to come back for, for training camp. So I signed an extension and a three-year contract to Switzerland thinking, okay, well, one more year, but now I'm getting, now you're over 30. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was tougher, but no, it was, uh, to go over there a little bit early before the uh, lockout was just, you make sure you're, you know, I love Switzerland. It's, probably one of the best European leagues over there and the country's fantastic. But it was, that's why. And then once I got the, the injury, I knew that it was probably uh, play over here as long as I can and, and uh, you know, enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you were, I mean, a great player there by all accounts. I mean, looking at your, uh, at the stat line and it's, uh, it's a well-paying league too. I'm sure you got play, paid well there. They treat guys really well there and it's an awesome place to play hockey. The only, the only problem is it is not the NHL, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it's somewhere else. So, um, I kind of had a similar scenario there when I went over, I went over quite early to Germany and it was more or less, I was like, I thought I was just going to be reinventing myself kind of, right. I just needed a, almost like we talked about, right. Like get back to what it felt I was as a player and, and kind of feel like get out from under the spotlight and, and, and have a good season, get my, get some hands back and then come back. Right. And, and that was my idea. But then, geez, I had so much fun and like and was so successful. And then the way they do the contracts there, they're offering you a more a longer deal, like three months into the season. Oh, yeah. And now all yeah. of a sudden you have to make a decision, right? Like, is this where I want to be? And, um, you know, for me, I, mean, I did. I signed the two year extension two months into my into my first one year contract. And um, <laughs> and that was that was kind of what I did. Right. And, and in doing that was like essentially saying, well, OK, you I mean, like the NHL thing is uh, I'm letting that go, you know, but uh it is uh, hockey's a beautiful thing, though. It takes us a lot of places, and there's a lot of amazing places to play that aren't the NHL. That uh, that guys have great careers and, and form great lives. And you, you mentioned being in Switzerland. There. I've never heard guys not have a, you know, the experiences there are really really awesome. What um, with what you do now? So like, let, let's talk about the, your time with the Lightning. Did you have you you started with Detroit? Did you not um, when you first got into post retirement, not being a player? No, I, I was uh, actually my when I came back, I uh, I started as a, like a part-time area scout out out here in Vernon, just just going around and, and watching some amateur games, just a little bit here and there, and and then that January, the uh, you know I'm obviously very fortunate with Tampa, Steve Eisman played with them, we, we were good friends, you know, kept in touch when I went over to Europe and and still remain good friends, but then at, in January they needed a player, you know needed a player development guy because our Steve Thomas, who was doing that job, went up to when the season started in Tampa, he went up and was an assistant coach with John Cooper. So now we're looking for a new one. So then during in January, that's when I started that uh, that uh, director of player development. Awesome. So how 
And so Steve was the one that gave you that role or yeah. bestowed yeah. that on you. So how, how did that, uh, how did that conversation go? Like to, to, obviously to be, well, when you had to know him for sure, right. To get that, you I mean, you mentioned that being a teammate of his, you knew what you were about and what you were like, um, did you know you could do that role well? Like, how, I just find that interesting, right? Like, okay, now go do this, right? Like, without really knowing that you're going to be good at it, potentially, right? Like, and, and what that's all about. How did that conversation work? Well, yeah, I, I was, he, he says, you, you, know, you want to be the director, you know, player development. I said, well, like, what do I do? He's like, well, you just go around the players. And, you know, so then I, I, I kind of, I didn't really, I, I asked, talked to a lot of our scouts. Well, I hadn't really even met yet. So I'm calling him saying, okay, I, I got hired to do this job. And, you know, who's our prospects and what's he like and what are they like? And, and then it was basically just figured out for yourself. You know, okay, well, I, I'm going to watch these guys. Here's my list of players that I have. I didn't go to Europe that year. You know, college players, you can't – you can go there and watch them, but you, you say hi to them. But then you got to be careful a little bit with the eligibility. And they have their coaches and you can't – juniors. So I, I, uh, I grabbed my stuff and I went on the ice with them. It was great. And he called the coach, hey, you mind if I bring my stuff? And they gave me a tracksuit and, and pair of skates. And, and off I went. And it was great. The, the coaches loved it because, you know, now the guy from the NHL team's out here practicing with us. And they let you run a couple of drills. And after practice, you take, you take your prospect aside and work on, you know, the stuff he needs to. Okay, this, these are the areas we've got to touch. And this is, this is what we're strong at. And this is what we need to work at. And go over video with them. So it was uh, – I loved it. It was, it was great. It was a good – it, it, and I was still young. I was still fresh out of plan. I wasn't even 40 yet. And it was, you know, kept me back on the ice. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of travel, but it was a lot of fun. No, that's cool. What, uh, from, from your day one in the job there and like going your first year, like what did you learn over the tenure of you doing that, that, uh, that you grew into or that you started to kind of master or change? Well, I, I think that, you know, that back to that growth mindset, like this is now when you, now you're on the ice with these kids and now we, we, we drafted them. But now we're getting to know these kids. Now you start learning what these kids really like. When you start critiquing them a little bit and, and going over what, you know, maybe we could have did this differently and, and watching plays and effort and see how they react to you, you know, you know, call, calling them out a little bit and stuff like that. But I think the, I think the big thing is, is just like, like, you know, any, any player, just communication with is, is key for all these prospects. If, you know, if it's, even if it's, you go there and you watch them play and it's not their greatest game. Okay. Well, you gotta, you, you sit down with them, you communicate with them. You, you, you really, um, you know, you're fair to them. You're, you're, you're fair to them, but you're, you're honest with them and you're, and you're always in communication with them. They really appreciate that. Right. Do you find that that's, I mean, who told you to do that though? Because, because I, I think in our generation, that wasn't happening, right? There, the communication, well, it sounds like maybe your story is a little bit different than mine. It sounds like they were, they were somewhat, you know, Detroit there was pretty good with telling you about, about stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think the human aspect I called of hockey has come a long way, I think, like dealing with the person as well as the player. Um, is that something that just came kind of naturally to you? Or do you just think that that was the best way to get the most out of these guys? Well, I, I, honestly, I think I learned it through my son. You know, you know like he's now, okay, I'm, I'm traveling now. I'm helping out coach a little bit, you know, coach a little bit. And you're talking to him. He missed his weekend games and stuff. And then, you know, hey, dad. You know, the coach, uh, you know, I, pulled me off the ice or, or you know, or, or you're coaching and, and kids are upset and, and you know, you're, you're twitching the lines up a little bit or, or doing whatever. And Johnny missed the shift and, and you got to tell him why. You know, what, what, what's the learning? Okay, this is what we're doing. This is our game plan. This is why we're, you know, they have to, to understand it. Once they understand it, once they know 
the game plan, you know, they're okay with it. I think that's the, you know, the big thing too is like in Detroit was great communication. You know, even in, in Minnesota, like they were, that's the NHL, right? Now you're in the CHL or, or, or in college, you know, and, and communication is, is, is key. You can take me off the power play, but what can I do better to, you know, to why and, and what can I do better, you know, to, to work on it and, and, and how are you going to help me? You know, is the coach coming over with me and showing me, you know, what I could do better to get me back on the power play or is he just taking me off the power play? Right. So you're saying, um, talking about Austin, your, your son there, like, so you learned kind of indirectly from him what, what he would struggle with and then you'd understand like he, the, when he would struggle is when something would happen and he wouldn't understand why it happened. Is, is that kind of what you're saying? So now you're saying, okay, well, now I'm going to tell these guys, you know, like what is going on. And so they're, they're more accountable or more aware. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. In, or, or if you don't make it clear for the, you know, it, you make it, the coach tells a player one thing and, and right away, if, if, if the player doesn't like it, does he, does he, does he want to, you know, go to his parents or, or go to, go to bed that night, you know, thinking about the truth or does he spin it off into his own kind of, his own, his own thing. So I think just that communication and honesty of this is what, you know, this is, this is, this is how we're going to do this. And this is how we're going to do this together was, is, is key. You know, and I well, think is, yeah. at the end of the day, the, the parents or the, or the players, they, they, that's the only way they, they appreciate it. Right. Do you find, um, I would assume being, well, now you're not in that role now, but when you were doing it and you were working with these guys as your, you know, your day-to-day job, right. Making these guys better. You come across all different types, you know, like there's, even though we're working within this hockey environment and, and there is kind of a stereotypical hockey player, I mean, there's still the bandwidth of like personalities is wide. Right. And, and I think one thing that's evolved is, is that the, the message has changed. You know, we, we all had the coaches that would just deliver it one way and you had to figure it out for how it worked for you in your own way. But do you, do you find that being part of the skill of that to get the most out of guys as to how, how do you find out who ticks or how to, how to motivate somebody a certain way? Well, hundred percent. That's you go to, we go to one prospect here. He, you, you know, you got to treat him, you got to, you know, teach him or learn or, or, or this is how we deal with, with this, this situation. And the next, next city you go to, it's totally different. That's, that's key. As you said, you know, coaching minor hockey the same way. Back in the day, ooh, it was this was it. You know, like the the old school coaches was these are the rules. This is how it's going to be run. And now it's a little bit different. You gotta, you know, and that's I think the hard, the best coaches are the ones that can or, or player development coaches or GMs are the ones that obviously figure that out on how to deal. You know, you got to have your habits and you got to have your rules. But you know, there are different different. You have to approach different players differently. Yeah, well, I mean the carrot and the stick a lot of the time too, right? I mean, there's there's guys that that respond to, to the old school kind of get or go on. There's other guys that you know don't handle that quite as well and want to be motivated a different way. And I, I guess that's more or less where my head goes with that. You know, I know, I know as a coach of like even minor hockey teams, like your standards and expectations got to be pretty consistent, right? And they got to be adhered to. But like how you get that that extra ten percent out of the guys, which is what you know, you, you guys are trying to do is how, how do we extract as much of their potential as we can in this scenario? Like, you can't just say it's a carte blanche scenario, right? That this is how we're handling everybody because it's not going to work for everybody. Exactly. Um, exactly. What do you guys, with with player development now, I mean, we, we talked a little about this off air, but I mean, it's salary cap, you know, these, there's, there's only so much money you can spend. You don't want to be making mistakes. Um, and it's almost pivotal vital that you have people coming up within your organization that you've drafted to fill some spots because they're cheap i mean let's be honest you know like and then they end up being players for you without those players like it's tough to be competitive um how does that 
I mean, first of all, do you agree with that? I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't presuppose that you agree with that, but do you agree with that? And if so, like, how has player development changed in the, in the last while since you've been involved in it? Well, I hundred percent, I agree with it. You have to have your, uh, you, you know, cause you're not getting people, their organizations have their, have their, have their players. You have their good players, their young players, they come up, they get their three-year entry-level salaries. Like you said, they're cheaper for the salary cap. You're, you're not getting those players because the good ones, they're, they're, the next contract, they keep them off you go. So you have to have your, you get seven picks a year. You have to, drafting is one thing. We've talked about this before. Drafting is one thing. Now you got to develop them. You can't just say, okay, here's my, here's my seven picks. Here's, you know, two years in a row. There we go. Now they're coming into Syracuse, our AHL team. And in a couple of years, we'll look at them and see if they're ready. Now it's about development. It's, you know, it's the sports psych, it's the power skating, it's the skills coach, it's the, you know, it's, it's everything. All together we have, because we, like you said, we have to have some of these players playing for us, you know, because then you have your, your Stamkos, your Kucherovs, your Vasilevskis, you know, your, your, your superstars. You have to have these young players coming up to, because uh, free agency, you know, July 1 and that free agency, those days are, you're not getting any bargains on those days. No, you're 100%. Not there, you're not going there to, to, to fix your, your cap issues. Right. What if is there like a successful draft would give you what two players, maybe three? Well, we've had well two. Yeah, I mean, I think the average is show maybe two, two. But we've had some really good drafts where we've had all you know six or seven you know play. And then you've had some other drafts where you haven't had you know you've had maybe one or 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 some have still haven't played yet, right? Like a successful draft, probably two or three is is is, is good. Your first rounders are obviously critical. Like, you know, that's, that's your, you know, you, you, it, there's no secrets in, in the draft, as you know, there's, everybody gets to watch the same amount of games, you scout the games, you, you go to wherever you want to go, whatever your organization believes in. And now you get your pick, you know, you pick in 31 or the top 20, 30, 30 kids, you know, you're, 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 you got to make sure you hit that one. And then from there, you know, like you said, it's the problem is you're drafting 17 year old players. By the time they're 19 turning pro, they might've grown four inches, put on 20 pounds or, like we said, change their, you know, they, their growth mindset now. They've changed their character a little bit. They're working a little harder. They figured it out. They matured. That's when you get your, you know, your, your third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders coming. coming. That's why, it, that's why we have a lot of seventh rounders that we, we, we pick that, that work out for us is, you know, just good, good character, hardworking people that mature later. They develop later. You, do you find that to be the biggest differentiator? Like, so you're putting these guys – in, into a pot essentially right and like you're, you're trying to support them all the same you, you mean you want I would say you want equal success from the human aspect but I mean you've already said like your, your first rounder is a critical piece of that so they're probably gonna get a little bit more attention a little bit more you know opportunity th th those guys but I mean if someone's ex excelling and performing they're gonna get an opportunity you know what, what do you see now with all your time and experience in that developmental side of like is there like an equation? Like, do you see, can you almost foresee now, like who's going to get better and, and who, who's going to have the chance? Uh, oh yeah. After you draft, after you draft them, you've worked with them for a bit, right? Yeah. Away. Like, that's the nice thing. I've been doing it for a while now. And I still like, I oversee the player development, work with a bunch of great people on our staff and still go around and travel and get to meet them, take them out for dinner and talk to them and development camp, development camp in the summertime is huge for us. Now we really, you know, we, we make it fun. We have a three on three tournament, but you can, give them some challenging skills drills or skating drills and see how they react. And that's the, that's the key. Now you start, you know, the one year in two year in, you can figure out who's going to go to Syracuse and, and, and really, really perform and who's going to go there and be, you know, like, Oh boy, this is, this is, this is going to be tough. So it's a, you know, like I said before, like the ones that figure it out and they're smart, 
and they work and they, they have that, that, that mentality. They're, they're usually not there for long. Right. So is that, so are those, are those the intangibles right there that you're saying? Like when you say figure it out, like what is that for a young guy listening right now? Like if he wants to be a guy that's been able to figure it out, like what, what does that, what does that mean to him? Well, like I said, you, you, you go to, you go to that league. It's not a, you say you go to the American league and, 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 and you, and you, and you get there and you know, you're a good player because we signed you. So you now you're a prospect for us. Now we're putting you with our other best, best prospects and players. Now you have to go there. Now you got to get better. You got to get better. We have our, our, our resources. Like I said, our skating, you know, jump in, do the extra, you know, you can't do something, keep, keep working with it. it the ones that, the ones that are, 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 you know, fail falling forward, we call it as well. You, you know, are you going to fail falling, you know, going both feet in, you're going for it, or are you going to kind of tiptoe in a little bit and see how, see how the water is. And, you know, we want the ones that, that are ready to go for it. If you, you don't, you know, some guys don't want to look bad doing it, right? I'm not going to try a hundred percent because then if I fail, then I've really failed. I think that's the, that's the, the, the big one. You can, you can see those, those kids go there and you, you, you know, Anthony Cirelli was one of my, one of the best. He went to, you know, made, he was a walk-on in, in Oshawa. The year he won the Memorial Cup, scored the overtime winning goal. I think it was, against, it might've been against Kelowna in, in, in the, uh, in the, in the finals. And he came to, you know, the next year went back to junior. We, we drafted him two years of junior, came to Syracuse, didn't even make it a year. And he wasn't a huge score in June. You know, didn't even make it a year because, he did everything right. Got better every day. He he hit that growth mindset. He everything he did was full out, and and it was you know you could tell right away as soon as he got there and, and the season started. We're talking to the coaching staff and in Syracuse. You go, oh, better enjoy this guy while he's here because he's not going to be here long. So it's fun to watch players like that. You know, not a first round high high round pick, but but you can see he he had what it took for sure. That is so awesome, and that's just such a boy, it'd be nice to have a documentary for a season and just being able to, to, you know, capture kind of what that, what that essence is, right. That you now as somebody who, who helps, you know, make decisions on where guys go and get, get brought up that one, it's noticeable. Like you can see it, like it's tangible, like these behavior aspects, right? Like the way to handle your day and the way to, to, the way you look at yourself. It's not a, it's not a quiz. It's not a test that you can answer, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's in actions like you can watch and then, and lo and behold, if you actually have the right actions, you're going to get better and your game's going to improve. And, you know, now you got both things going for you. It doesn't seem that hard, but it is, it's harder than, than it, than we give it credit sometimes, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. And that's a good, you make a good point there too, especially when you go to the, you know, you come out of junior, now you go, how, how are you going to react to living? You know, you know what it's like, now you got a roommate, now you're living on your own. Now you're going through all this stuff. Now I've met my match and now I got, you know, I got, I got to pay rent. I got to. I got to do all these stuff. How they how they reacting to that too? Some 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 players you don't even you don't even notice a difference. Other players you can see it's really affecting them. Like all this responsibility now, and that's the maturity, and that's the you know it's all the little intangibles that that, that you know that for sure make up the player on the ice before he even gets to the ring. Yeah, yeah. There's a focus there too, and I find in the minors because you have who you guys, meaning you guys as management puts in that room is important, you know, like the example and the leadership and who you have in there and what they're doing. Um, but there's also that element of like trying to fit in with the guys, you know, try and be a guy that has friends that is respected amongst your peer groups yet. You already said about it, like, but not some, some guys are worried about trying too hard because you don't want to isolate yourself and ostracize yourself as being the, the try hard, but it's really necessary to almost like somehow to embrace that, right? That this is, what I'm about, this is what I'm going to do and screw what everyone thinks, even if they are my teammates, you know, because 
I mean, I talk to guys about that now because what everyone's doing isn't what be what isn't what you should be doing. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, some 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 players, you they, they come in, they don't want to, you know, you can see there. It takes them a little while to settle in because they don't want to, you know, step on the veterans. You know, I'm not going to outwork him in practice. I'm not going to, you know, uh, you know, try and take his call out spot and all. That. It takes them a little while to settle in, and you, and you can generally see that as a as management as as, as a coaching staff, you can obviously you're on the team all the time you, you see that happening and you see that you know like okay it's that we got to address this and, and and then a lot of the times before that player can really you know perform like i said it's it's getting them comfortable before they get to the rink that 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 makes them you know comfortable around their teammates comfortable at home and now they can come to the rink and and, and perform the way you know we know they can yeah and, and you say fail forward i, I want to touch on that too because i think you know, i mean you're kind of making that I mean, a, a bit of a metaphor, but I think it applies on the ice and off the ice, correct? Like, like that's a growth mindset thing, but there's, you get that opportunity, whatever it is, whether you're getting your call up or whether you're, you know, you're in overtime, like there's, there's some guys that'll be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to make the mistake, right? And, be, and by thinking that they end up making the mistake, right? Because they're trying to play safe or you have the guy that wants to be the difference maker and, you know, so be it, man. If, if I make the mistake moving forward, you mean that's an advantage and, and that's kind of, is that almost an organizational tenant that you, you guys are trying to embrace that both on and off the ice? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that, but once again, that's a lot of the, you know, the character, right? Like you gotta, you know, and, and some of the players have never, not failed, everybody's failed, but you've always had success. You've always had success and now you, now you're, you're struggling a little bit and you're not, you know, things aren't going the way they, they normally do. It's about, all right, I'm going to grit my teeth here and I'm going to, I'm going to go for it instead of, you know, just kind of, I, I don't want to, I don't want to fail. I don't want to show that I'm trying my, 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 my best because if I fail, you know, then it's, uh, you know, I'm going to look bad, but no, that's uh, for sure that, that we want players that, you know, they're, they're going to, you're going to go for it. You're going to, you're going to, you make a mistake, obviously, you know, at least we know, in, you know, we, we play with guys, the guys that, you know, sometimes a, that a player that works hard every practice, every game, and and he makes the odd, you know, the mistake here and there. The coach he might overlook that guy and, and let him get a free pass because you know what, he always works hard. He shows up every game, but and, and if he makes that mistake, I know it's a you know it's an honest, good, hardworking mistake compared to you know the other guy that you know, half the time he's there, he doesn't do any extra. You know, that's the that's the you know that's the a little, a little shorter rope for that guy. Do you wear, um, do you find, do you have to, do you switch hats, meaning from dad, um, dad of Austin, the, the young hockey player, uh, an accomplished hockey player, potentially going to play in the WHL next year to being uh, what you do with developing other people's kids? Because you touched on adversity and I'll, I'll just have a little more leeway there uh, if you'll allow me, like adversity is such an important thing I think and it sounds like you I mean you embracing the growth mindset it's a very important thing I'm sure in, in your philosophy of of allowing these kids whether there are whether they are our kids or whether they're you know drafted kids that are under your kind of tutelage to to allow them to fail and allow them to try and get back up and figure that out is is that different as a parent is it harder to do as a parent or is it you know how how is that for you in that in that setting I, I think I've gotten a lot better at it, let's say that I think uh um, you know, now, now I'm, I'm, you know what, you have a team, you have a coach, you have a team, I'm the dad, you want, you want to talk about something. My, my biggest, I always, I always say, I always say work hard, have fun. And if he doesn't work hard, you know, that, that's one thing. I, I, I love watching him play. I love watching all those kids play, but you can tell when they work hard, they work hard, they go up there and it doesn't go their way. I'm, I'm, you're, you're good with it. I think earlier on, you know, you're, 
you're out of playing, you're still in the game, you're, 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 you're coaching too much, you know, like it, 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 you're, you're even with, cause I was helping out when I, when I first retired and stuff like that. But once the game's over, game's over the, the you know, the practice, you work hard in practice, you, you give them stuff, the whole team or your son, you know, something to practice on. And then that's it. You know, it's the, I think I learned that, learned that uh, over the years that, you know, less, less is more of just, Hey, be the, be the parent, especially now because I'm not a coach. I'm just the, you know, I go, I go away and I come watch on the weekends and, and watch him play. And, and uh, he, he's got a coach and he can, he can listen to his coach, not me. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's a challenge though. I mean, I think there's a challenge from both sides. One being a guy that obviously you mean here, you're getting paid by an NHL team to develop these guys. You, you obviously know a thing or two about hockey. Now you're watching somebody else be in charge of your son's development. And I'm sure there's, it's easy to be critical at times if you wanted to be. You know, so allowing the space there for that coach to do his thing and also allowing uh, the interaction with the player that, you know, maybe isn't ideal for you. Like maybe he's not on the line you want him to be on, which a lot of parents go through. Maybe he's not on power play. Maybe there's things that are happening there. Like how, what is your message from your perspective uh, when something like that happens? Well, I, you know, I, 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 honestly, the way I think of it now is, you know, before the season starts, you 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 go to a tryout. And you you know go to the uh, Vernon Minor Hockey or, or Kelowna Minor Hockey. You go to trial. You go try out for major major. You've agreed with your son, your your wife, and your agreed that this is where we're going to go try out. And and once you've done that, you register and all of that. Then it's that's that's your decision. Like you know who the coach is going to be. Okay, he's coaching major major. He's coaching minor major. He's coaching double A. I'm going to that trial. My kid's going to be on team A, B, or C. That's it. If you can't handle that, then you you know that that's the problem. It's easy to say. But I know if the coach B, you know, is going to have him on the wrong line, well, then that's then why you have him there. That's the that's the hard part. You know, it's the same thing in the NHL and NHL. Like, you know, when a player is there and he's on a team and he's playing, well, that's, you know, our organization have our coaches. And this is the way this is the way we operate. It's no different than minor hockey. When you sign up for minor hockey and you go there, I know it's hard. It's easier said than done. But that's that's this is what you sign up for. You get your practices per week. This is your coach. Here's your league. Here's your games. And there you go. That's it. You no. try and support Austin if something does happen. I mean, during the course of a season, I'm sure something does where things aren't going right the whole time or, you know, adversity comes up. Do you do you do your best to support him through it as opposed to solve it for him? You know, I, some people try and fix it, right, or smooth it over. Or, you know, I don't know what the right way to put that is. But um, others kind of just, yeah, get in the background and say, hey, man, I mean, this is this is how you're – this is how maybe we, you can, you can do this, solve your, solve your own problem. Like how, what is your approach to that? Yeah. Well, we, you I mean, if you just game or, or, or an instance or, or something like that, yeah, you, you, you go over with them. All right. But what happened? You know, what, what, what can we do better? What can we, um, you know, maybe next time, you know, whether it's a play with the, uh, his teammate or the ref or a coach or, or whatever, stuff like that. But, but as for, you know, like play on the ice or, or a coach making a line change or, or taking him off the ice and stuff like that. That's, that's, Hey, he's your coach. And that's, I'm sure he has a reason. If you want to know, then go ask him. You know, the only, the only problem is, is it's, well, it's the old, if you don't want to know the answer, don't ask the question. So that's, that's the, uh, <laughs> that's, but no, I, 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 like I said, he's 16 now. He's, he's, uh, when you, when you sign him up, I love the programs that he's, that he's in and, and that's his, uh, 
that's his hockey. Right. No, that's great. Um, I wouldn't mind touching on that just for a second because I know uh, Austin didn't go the academy route. You know, he went the the zone the zone program, got drafted out of that. That's a big decision for hockey parents right now. Um, did did you guys consider an academy scenario at all? Uh, and if you did, why what made you decide to do what you did? Well, we were. I mean, we yeah, we talked to some academies. Um, more, you know. The, Academies are calling or they're looking to, to build their teams and stuff. We never really considered it just because fortunately we had, if you looked at the age group in Vernon here and, and, and the surrounding area, the, the, the couple of years of his Bantam, it was a great team. <laughs> like we had the 04 age group that is, is, was, we were very, very fortunate. Like um, I think sometimes parents in maybe in smaller towns where their, where their son doesn't have the opportunity to play at a higher level, maybe it's an opportunity to go to an academy. Um, we just felt like with our program and our team that we had, we looked at the league, the travel, we looked who we'd be playing, felt we'd be competitive. You look at the, the tournaments you're going to, that's that's a good enough opportunity. Everything just added up for us not to go to an academy. Nothing against the an academy or, 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 or anything like that. Just for us, it worked two solid years of, of that was uh, was a good option for us. No, oh, that is good. Yeah, and I I bring that up just because some some people it depends on who you talk to and their perspective. I almost feel like they they are obligated to try and find an academy for their kid to do something, you know. And I, and I've said that a few times. I, I just hate when people get in that sort of mindset. You know I mean, I, I, again, for me, I do believe academies they have a ton of great things to offer, right? I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with them per se. It's just when you feel like you have to be involved in one for anything to work out well. You know, I mean, I think that's maybe a, a disservice to the whole system. <laughs> <laughs> you know well that 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 year that uh, last year two years ago his his Bantam draft year for instance like you know like, you got to go to an academy go to all these showcases and stuff and and okay that, that's 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 great but that that team i think there was five kids drafted off that team at the beginning of the year i'm not sure anybody knew who they were so that team goes there you have a good team you go to these tournaments over oh, you you beat a couple academy teams you, you you're competitive in your league and you're you know that's that's huge that's huge for you know, now people like the old thing, if, if, if people, scouts in, in hockey or in any sport are watching and, and if they hear and they, they, they know where the good players are, they'll come find you. That's, yeah. uh, I mean, I played, I played minor hockey in Coldell, Alberta, which was, I think we had, what, a thousand people in our, in our, you know, next thing you know, on my 14th birthday, you're getting listed in to the Massanet Tigers, you know, in Coldell, Alberta, back when you couldn't, you had to, you know, were you even in the paper? There was no, yeah. no Twitter, no Instagram, no you weren't advertising yourself and you weren't on the internet. So, but you know, people are, if, if, if there's a good team in Vernon or in Kelowna or, or Lumbee or a good player, they'll, they'll, they'll find you. Yeah. They'll find you, especially in this day and age with the video footage and people watching and people are connected and no one's going to sift through the cracks. And again, people get all hung up on the Bantam draft and I know it's an important spot for those players in that age. And it's the biggest kind of thing that happens to them up to that point. But I mean, they're still in the WHL draft. You're still two years away from playing, even if you can play then, right? I mean, that's a, the, the runway is still really long in, in their career if you want to be a hockey player. So I, I stress to not get too hung up on that whole process either, right? I, I think a lot of, you know, it, I, I went through it. It's, uh, a lot of it's harder on the parents and, you know, it's, it's hard. Like, you, 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 it's a lot of years going to, to hockey and, and you're supporting your boy and you want the best for, for, for your player and, and you're hoping and, and and you know means so much to them. They're all they're all. It's funny that that draft day. Actually, I was in Tampa his draft day, but he stayed home from school and had his computer out. And him and mom are watching, and you know it's a big day for them, and it should be because they work hard. You know it's a huge thing. And if 
you know, same thing as the NHL draft. If you get drafted and, and uh, you know, it's great. You get a good opportunity. It doesn't mean you're going to make the NHL. It doesn't mean you're going to make the WHL if you go to the Western Hockey draft, but it's an opportunity now. You know, the other ones, I, lo I love seeing all the, all the, uh, the, the players that are played in the NHL or, or, or on the way to the NHL that never got drafted in the, in the Western League. And now they're, you know, signing these big contracts and they're, and they're doing well. That's my, I, I think that's fantastic just to show that, hey, you and then you don't get drafted in WHL, same thing. If you find out, okay, how much, you know, hard work and, and uh, you, know, you, you gotta, you're going you're gonna to quit or you're going to grind it out or you're going to try and, try and uh, you know, the next year you're going to prove it to everybody. And we, I saw it this year with some players that weren't drafted in, in the, the 04H group. You, you, now you know these kids over the years and, you know, holy, they, they get listed a month into the season because, you know, they didn't get drafted, but they grew in the summer and, uh, you know, four inches and, and now they're bigger and stronger and puberty and, and all that stuff. And boom, off they go. They get listed, they get listed, they sign a contract. And so it's uh, some good stories. Yeah, no, it's great. I'll ask you one more question here, just on the, from the father's side and, and kind of ties into, to what you're trying to do here with developed players for the Tampa Bay lightning. And that's, there's a lot of parents that maybe think that they have an idea. And, and again, you and I maybe think we have a better idea than others about like what it would take for our sons um, to get to where they want to go. You know, when you, when you're starting to align, whether it's practice habits or whether it's, you know, workout habits away from the rank or what they're involved in their, their focus. Um, but then there can be some resistance, right? Cause everyone has a different game plan or they mature differently or, you know, have a different idea of what hard work really means. How, how do you try and communicate that and what you've learned and what you do and what you've lived to, to Austin, who's now 16 years old and, um, growing up, I mean, what, what does that conversation look like? Well, I, I think the big thing, the first thing is the work ethic, the work ethic. If, if you're going to go to these, you know, tryouts or camps or anything, or even in the office or around the house, you got to work, you got to work. And, you know, you have all these, you have all these power skating, you have all these skills camps and stuff like that. You can see the ones that are up there that are actually really are working at it and wanting to get better. That's, that's, that's my first thing. And then the other thing is, is the same thing I told you before about, about development, like, you know, you, you gotta have a growth mindset. You gotta, when you can't do something, you, it, it's okay. It's okay to fail. It's okay to, uh, to you know, you, if you go to a, a tryout and you get cut, how are you gonna react from it? It's not, oh, I, I'm better than that guy. I should have made this. I should have, you know, why'd he make it? No, no, no. They picked the team. We knew we were going in. That's, that's what happens. Now what are we gonna do? We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna, man up we're gonna go for it or we're gonna and i think that's the, the big thing but the biggest thing i think like we've talked about the whole time is, is is you know having that growth mindset you're going to go through a lot of things in life whether it's going to the whl or not getting drafted or getting drafted or going to a camp and that's you know just the i try and you know try and help them out you go on the ice with them you try and help them out but at the end of the day you know it's that that, that work ethic you know it's like when you're coaching and you're and you've got that the players that are always, always grinding and always going, we play with those guys. And sure. that's, you know, ultimately until I became a, a, an NHLer, that was me. I was, I always thought I was working hard and then I'll, then you, you figure it out. Yeah. Now no one's going to work yet. And that's the, that's the right. biggest. So uh, it sounds like, I mean, your approach is similar to mine. Like I want it to be intrinsic with whether it's guys I work with one-on-one -on -one or it's my own kids, right? Like the, what, why they're out there doing it. They've developed just a personal standard for themselves and they understand 
that it's, you know, what it's about, like the, the process, getting back to the, we've said growth mindset a lot, like the process is as important as the results, right? So like falling in love with that process of improvement. Um, it's tough to mandate though. And some people believe that it should be mandated, whether it comes from a coach or comes from a parent. I'm a little softer with my approach. Like I believe it should be kind of modeled and, and encouraged as opposed to mandated. Um, do you feel like in your situation as a dad, how have you kind of come to that crossroads and what was your approach with that? Well, for, you mean on the ice, like coaching? And, no, I mean, I'm more off. I mean, I definitely, I think on the ice, it's easy to try and, I shouldn't say easy. It's easier to draw this hard line. Like you, you can tell when a guy's floating, right? You can tell when a guy's working hard. And I think for me, that on off switch is pretty obvious, but now it's like, okay, um, say it's my boy Hudson and he's only 10. So I'm not really using it as an example, but it's, let's say he's 15 or 14 and he, he thinks he wants to be a WHL player. And maybe he is working hard on the ice, but he he's not like he's playing video games. You know, a lot of people he's playing video games. He's not he's not really he's not really doing anything extra. He doesn't feel like stick hand. Like, if it comes to that point, like how how do you think that should be handled from from a, from a parental perspective? Well, and that's to say, like, I, I think well, habits are habits are huge, right? Like like, like you said before, habit, habits are huge. And I think um, for first and foremost, like school. But, you know, my, my wife's probably worse than not worse than I, but more strict than I. Like you know, marks have to be top notch, or, or else all this isn't going to happen. Like that's that's non that's a non negotiable around here, and he's done a good job with that. The other thing is, is you know, you give him a net to go shoot pucks. He's always out there shooting pucks. You set up, you know, some stick handling. He's always down there. Like I'm not. If I I always tell him like if I if I have to tell you to do this, then it shows you how bad you want to do it. I'm not. I'm not telling. I already live my dream. Like I'm not. You know, my, my dream's over. I wish I could go back and do it again. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to try and live, live it through him. If you want to go out there, I'll try and help you out as much as I can along the way. But at the end of the day, you, you got to do it. You got to make your own bet. And, that's, and, and a lot of people tell you, you go to the gym, you work hard, you're, you're respectful. We always talk about respect and appreciation. You're respectful. You, you're, you're, you're working hard. You try and be the hardest worker every day. And, and, and that's a big thing for me. That's what I learned later in life. I was a hard worker because we grew up on a farm, but you know, for, for being five, nine, having to play in the NHL, I, I couldn't get out work because if I got out worked, it was, it was me. It meant that, uh, you know, somebody was bigger and stronger. And, and that was my, one of my biggest things. Yeah. I mean, I love, I mean, I really like that. There's, there's such a simplicity to it, but it's so powerful. I mean, cause you need, I do believe in the accountability. Like it's gotta be on, on them, you know, and, and the earlier they learn that the better, and it's not, it can't be force fed. It can't be the parent's dream. I always say align your dream with their dream right? Whatever that is, you know, I mean, and try and support them the best you can through, through that aspect. And um, yeah, I mean, for Austin to find that and, and to, and to embrace that is, that's, what's cool. Cause then it's fun. That journey's fun. You don't want it to be not fun. I mean, what are you battling about? You know I mean? Like, I don't want to battle with anybody about doing anything. Like, you know, like you, if you have a goal, then there's going to be ways that you need to align some habits and some standards around that. And I like how you touch too on the, on the school side, because I, I am a believer in how you do one thing is how you do everything. You know, like it, it's tough to be like, you know, 110% in this one area of your life and then you're just a slob and lazy and everything else. You know I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't really equate, you know, it's like build a reputation for yourself and build, build this idea and this identity about yourself that's going to serve, serve you and where you want to get to. Um, so I love that. I love that you talk about that and I can see why, you know, you're a part of this organization too in Tampa that's, that's really doing some great things and uh, really excited to see what happens here the rest of the year with them too, as I'm sure you are. Um, 
I, I promised you that we would cut this thing off at, at 90 minutes and I think we might have already gone over. So I, I will, we'll, we'll close. It just seems to happen that way all the time. But I will say um, on the air before I shut off that, I mean, I think you and your wife and like what you talk about is you're, you're living it. I mean, it's not lip service because Austin for one is like an amazing kid. And I think Everett's got an awesome prospect there. And every time I talk to him, I'm like super impressed with him. So I think whatever it is that you're serving up there, he's, uh, he's listening and he's keen and um and it shows in a, as a human and as a player and I, and, I, and I love that about what you're saying there that it seems like you're you're keep, keeping that human side really in contact uh in the role now with, with Tampa Bay well, I appreciate that appreciate that no man no uh, no worries easy to say um comes honestly and uh, I really appreciate your time Stacy uh it was awesome to talk with you a lot of a lot of great insights here for for some of the players and some of the parents and some things to to know right about being real about what it takes and, and how to do it and, and and doing the right things along the way and and the growth mindset that we've said uh, numerous times here is is something that hopefully people start listening to right like pick up the book, read it, understand it as a parent. How do you support it? How do you, how do you say the right things to actually support it and not just make it lip service? And, and it becomes real when your kids get that, man, it's a whole, it's a whole different ball game. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, there's no other way for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, man, we'll cut her off. Thanks so much. And um, we'll see you on the course sometime. Sounds good, buds. Well, thank you so much for being here today for episode 21 with Stacy Roos. Stacy, I thank you once again. That was amazing stuff. Uh, I think that if there was one theme today, it would have to be growth mindset. The growth mindset of an organization, the growth mindset of the people within that organization, and the growth mindset of the individual athlete as a part of that organization are all conducive to being our best as individuals and being our best as a collective and that is something that we can teach everybody that is something that we can learn that is something that we can improve upon but we have to understand the dynamics of the game that we're trying to play which is the mindset game the mindset game is something we have to be aware of and intentional about just like anything else like the length of your stride or the quickness of your hands or the release of your shot you need to be aware of the beliefs you're operating from, the core foundational beliefs you're operating from that you navigate the world with. And, and that was what we were talking about today is that this mindset element is of crucial importance for athletes and organizations. Uh, this isn't going away. It's not just the flavor of the month. This is here to stay and it's gonna grow. And if you wanna have an advantage in anything, whether it be business and life or in your per own personal development, the advantage is your mind and your mindset and your approach to the experiences around you. And uh, Stacy really did a great job of speaking about that from his perspective and, and you were able to get some of my perspective there as well. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I believe mindset is everything. I believe it is the greatest differentiator. And uh, for those of you who want to know more about that, you can definitely check out my website, www.upmyhockey.com, uh, for some of my feelings on there and some of the services that I provide. So, once again, thank you for listening. If you are a hockey parent, I should also say that uh, Up My Hockey Facebook group, uh, it's a parent group, a private parent group where we talk about stuff like this. I also bring in uh, 
exclusive interviews with inside that group specifically for the parents where they can ask questions directly to the experts like Stacy uh, that are there and, and to get their questions answered and to help them navigate their own journey with their own athletes in their own household. So you can also check me out on Facebook at my hockey parent group and, and, and apply to be accepted there. Hope everyone's having a great day and until next time, keep your head up and play hard. Cheers.